I'm hoping one day to hear Brian over here rip off some of that over there, but we, we thank you guys so much. The movie of today is Majestic, and, and how many of you in here have even heard of the movie Majestic, and how many of you have seen it? Well, you're all going to want to see it after today, I'm telling you. If, it, it is directed by Frank Darabont. If, for Walking Dead fans, he is the director of Walking Dead as well. So, but this one does not have zombies. <laughs> Peter Appleton was living a life that he thought he wanted. He was a blossoming scriptwriter living in Hollywood during the early 1950s. He had life, as they say, on a platter. He thought he was the person that he was always meant to be. What Peter found out was that in early, early 1950s Hollywood, there was a great time of paranoia and fear. He was blacklisted for associating with the Communist Party. And in an instant, the life Peter had strived for, the life he'd worked so hard to get, was taken away. The person he thought he was, was destroyed. His identity was now in shambles because it was built on his career and it was built on his dreams. can't just leave. We're shooting in three weeks. Ashes to Ashes has been pulled from the production schedule. You believe it? I'm sorry, Peter. So what does this mean? I have to testify? Assuming they let you. You're going to call me a communist. The least I could do is let me defend myself. Studio will lobby on your behalf. That's all I can promise you at this point. No guarantees. You really up for testifying? What choice do I have? This committee feeds on names, kid. You go up there, you're going to have to give them something. I'm a writer. I'll make up names if I have to. Leo, we're talking about my career, my life. Christ, I'll give them anything they want. J. Edgar Hoover? I wouldn't know J. Edgar Hoover if you walked in here wearing a dress. <laughs> Too bad. He says I'm a communist. In fact, at this very moment, some gray little FBI guy in a gray little FBI suit is hunched over my screenplay, checking it line by line. For the poisonous Marxist propaganda, which surely lurks there. use help with that. You're babbling, pal. Ashes to ashes, my movie. Could have been good. Even with the stupid dog. My grapes of wrath. I shot at doing something really good. Something... Something. What's it about? Pain. Nobility. The human condition. 
Christmas. <laughs> was my chance to get out of B-movies and onto the A-list. Go home, huh? Listen, why don't I call that gal of yours? Uh, what's her name? Sandy? Can't. She dumped me. Don't you worry about me. Hey, I'm gonna give you a little extra something. Cuz you took a big chance talking to me. Hey, you're not gonna drive in this condition, are you? I can't take this constant nagging. I'm leaving you, Jerry. I'm leaving, and I'm taking the monkey with me. creepy little monkey. Peter is facing something that all of us face at some point in our lives. He is staring directly at something we call an identity crisis. Someone having an identity crisis seems to have no idea who or what they are, where they're going, where they belong, or what they want to do with their lives. People dealing with identity crises are always trying to find themselves. And you hear people say that all the time, I'm trying to find myself. Finding themselves means changing jobs, changing friends, changing communities, and sometimes, in extreme cases, changing spouses and changing families. All in the hopes of really discovering who they are. Identity crises occur because of no real understanding of who they are. Because of this misunderstanding, our identities become based around things like jobs, hobbies, friends, community standing, and yes, even our children sometimes. We we can identify ourselves by our children. Take Peter in this clip. He based his identity on his successes in Hollywood as a writer. In his own words, he was on the cusp of moving from the B-movies to the A-list. He was about to make it and was ready to identify himself as an A-lister. He had already made up his mind that who he would, who he would be as somebody on the A-list would be much better, much different than who he was currently as a no-name writer. How many of us in this room this morning have thought this way? How many of us have convinced ourselves that if we can just get this new job or this new promotion or this new fancy car, new fancy house, we could then become the person that we were always supposed to be. We have all at some point convinced ourselves that we are not who we want to be because our situation is not what it should be. We have attached our identities to perishable things. Therefore, it is no surprise that we are constantly trying to find ourselves and constantly doing things which will bring clarity to who we are. In this constant search for who we want to be, we always find ourselves searching for who we actually are. It makes sense when you think about it, right? I cannot know where I'm going unless I know where I am. Therefore, I cannot know who I want to be unless I know who I am currently. So the question we have to ask this morning is, who am I really? In the struggle to answer this question, we forget to realize that our identity does not come from our environment or our friends or our job 
or our children. Our true identity comes from the one who created us, and that is God. It is from God that we are who we are. God made us and thought of us before time began. So naturally, he needs to be the one from whom we receive our actual identity. So this morning, with the help of Peter Appleton in this movie, and more importantly, with the help of God, we're going to look at who we truly are and what it takes to find our true identity. The first thing we need in finding our identity is a case of what I like to call identity amnesia. What in God's name? What in the hell happened to you, son? I'm not exactly sure. You think you can sit up? We can try. Easy. 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 All right. Oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't stand. Do you want to try it? All right, God. Lordy, 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 Lordy. What in the hell? The town is for peace down there. Do you, you, you want to try walking? Okay. You sure? Mm-hmm. All right, take it easy. I just go slow. Go slow, damn it. Oh, easy. Easy. Here, here. Here. Use that. I think it's clean. Thank you. Yeah. You know, you you seem a odd bit familiar to me. Do I know you? I don't know. Do you? It's early yet. <laughs> Most folks are just waking up, but it's pretty quiet even then. That's Ernie Cole's place. He's our druggist, also our mayor. Lost two boys in the war, Joe. Anzio and Willie at Baston. Good boys, both of them. There's so many. All told, this town gave 62 of its young men to the war. (laughs) More than our share. 17 of them at Normandy alone. Even got a letter from President Roosevelt. White House commissioned this town a war memorial. In the basement of it. Town hall for years now. Folks around here never had the heart to put it up. Mabel, over at that diner, her husband Max was killed in action on Okinawa. Say, son, the woman does wonders with an egg. You hungry? Doc Stanton pops in every morning on his way to the office. 
Let's have breakfast while we're waiting. Morning, Mabel. Doc been by it. Well, he should be along any moment. Has there been an accident? I found him down by the wash. He's lying there like a landed trout. Who is he? Well, they're still working on that one, but boy, could use a meal. Are those, are those eggs spoken for? Harry, you mind? No, not at all. I can wait. Set a record. Like you could tell. Have you ever been in here before? I think I remember these eggs. It's just that you look sort of familiar. I said the same thing. Peter drove his car off the bridge. And as he was fighting to stay afloat, he hit his head on a bridge footing and was knocked out. He wakes up on an unknown beach in an unknown town with no idea who he is. He has a case, a case of amnesia. Amnesia simply means no memory. No memory means no identity. So the first thing we must understand to discover our true identity is that we must forget our man-made identity or our old identity. The world is constantly shaping our identities whether we realize it or not. We are being bombarded with messages that tell us we are not smart enough or in shape enough or pretty enough or successful enough or rich enough. These messages send us the message that the person we are now is not good enough for the world and that we need the help of this or that to truly identify and truly discover ourselves. Combine this pressure with our personal insecurities that we each have, and it is no surprise that we have no idea who we are. We have to have a case of identity amnesia where we forget the person the world is telling us to be and begin to look at the person that God created us to be. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. You know to take off your former way of life, your crumpled old self, that dark blot of a soul corrupted by deceitful desire and lust, to take a fresh breath and to let God renew your attitude and your spirit. Then you are ready to put on your new self, modeled after the very likeness of God, truthful, righteous, and holy. That's Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24. In simple terms, or in simple means, to take off or turn away from God, or turn away, is to forget. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Forget the old man that you were. Forget the things the world said you were. Forget the things that you are trying to identify yourself with. Instead, look toward a God who is holy. Look toward a God who is loving. Look to a God who is righteous. Look to a God who makes no mistakes. And that's not even with us, right? Look to a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. As you look to this God, you will begin to know this God. 
The more you know this, God, the more the truth of your own identity will become clear. Forget the people who you are trying to be and look to the person who you really are and look to God and allow him to show you who that person is. Forgetting who you were is only the first part of the process in discovering your true God-given identity. For us to truly get to that place where we can confidently say we know who we are, it's going to take people around you who believe in you. Luke, you know, I think you love the Majestic even more than I did. You've got to remember that. You've got to. I don't. Luke, I know it sounds crazy, but I promise you we can make this place shine again. We can make it like it was. I don't know how it was. Don't you get that? None of this means anything to me. It used to mean so much. It doesn't. How can it? Harry, I don't even know who I am. No. No. Come with me. Bobby Rilke, red hair and freckles. Always charging up and down the street on his bicycle, screaming like a banshee. <laughs> Scaring the crap out of the old ladies. Brad Henderson. Virgil Toynbee. And Patrick Vitker, he, he was on the football team with you. Stevie Wardlow. His old man was a drinker, used to knock him around. You'd bring him home, we'd clean him up and make sure he had a hot meal. He'd practically live with us for a few years. He died on Saipan. Silver Star for Bravery. Teddy Parker. Jimmy Trask. And this boy over here. Bright kid. Honor student. Joined up right after Pearl Harbor. Parachuted into France on D-Day, June 6, 1944. Three days after the invasion, his platoon got pinned down by German artillery. The damn wiped out. Most boys dead or wounded. Torn up by the shells. But this fella here carried the injured back to safety one by one. Always going back until the last man was accounted for. He never wavered. He just kept, just kept doing what he had to do until it, until it got done. He was reported missing in action a month later near St. Lowe. His body was never found. Congress awarded him the Medal of Honor for courage in saving the lives of eight men without thought to himself. His name was Albert Lucas Trimble. 
we called him Luke. He was my son. That's who you are. It's a very poignant scene in this movie. Peter, you know, he has been taken in by this town, and the town of Lawson. He is being accepted as the long-lost war hero son, Luke, of one of the townspeople. The town is absolutely gaga over the fact that after nine and a half years missing, Luke has come home. Peter is still struggling to remember who he is and seems to have a hard time believing himself to be this Luke. Luke's dad believes with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength that Peter is Luke and that Luke has finally come home and will stop at nothing to help Peter remember who he really is. And that's why, that's what that scene was about. The same concept applies to us this morning as well. As we struggle to find ourselves, and believe me, guys, it is a struggle to find who you really are in this world that we live in today. God always seems to find someone and to send someone into our lives that really matters. This person begins to see things in us we never imagined or never realized. To really discover our true identities, it's going to take someone who sees us as God sees us. Matthew puts it this way in chapter 16. This is verses 18 and 19. This is why I have called you Peter, which stands for rock. For on this rock I will build my church. The church will reign triumphant even at the gates of hell. Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus is calling Peter out into his true identity. This is the same Peter who lets his temper get the best of him. This is the same Peter who swung and cut off a servant's ear. This is the same Peter who denies Jesus three times. And Jesus says, you will become the foundation of my church. Jesus sees Peter as God created him. And eventually Peter sees it too. God puts these people in our lives at the exact time that they need to be put there. They come in at a time when we really are questioning who we are, really questioning ourselves, really questioning our life choices, really questioning what's going on. And boom, these people show up. They cast vision into our lives and that faith that they have in us begins to take root and it begins to shape our true identities. I've had a few people those remind me. I got John and Doug here at New Life who do this, but I have two people at my other church and, and I might break down. And one of them, he's Michael. He was here at my ordination. And the other one, his name is Dell. And Dell is one of those guys that I've been very blessed of. He is probably one of the top two or three church administrators in the entire country. He has churches from every state calling him. Plus he has missionaries. Plus he has mission organizations from around the world 
that are calling him asking his input on church administration and his thoughts on those things. And just by happenstance, I was so blessed that he started showing up at the church I was attending and on staff at in Georgetown, and we began this relationship. And we would just meet every week. And the same thing with Michael. Michael has led, been in charge of churches all over the state of Texas, and he's one of the most powerful prayer warriors You would love to meet. And every week I got to meet with these guys. And they would just, just pour into me. And at the time, I thought that the Lord had no idea what he was doing by making me a youth pastor. My God, you certainly have missed the ball on this one. But they would tell me. Every week. Joe, you're made for more than this. This is just the start. You're not finishing here. You're just starting here. Every week they would tell me that. And guess what? After a while, I actually began to believe it as they began to pour it into me. And I can remember we went through the stuff, which I've shared a lot of you at the the other church, and it was time to leave. They both sat me down and said, Joe, the stuff that God needs you to do, this church here in Georgetown can't handle. There's churches other places that need you. And, and, and just so happens, it's you guys, I guess. Or maybe I need you more than you need me. But <laughs> it, took, it took two guys who have met with pastors their entire lives. They've been in ministry 50 years to begin to pour into me and say, Joe, God made you for more. And the person you think you are, the person you're settling for, is not the person God made you to be. This is who God made you to be. You know, like I said, I have John and Doug here at New Life who, who do the same thing. I want to encourage each of you this morning to listen to those people who are speaking into your life. Sometimes they are annoying, and sometimes you don't like what they have to say. But listen. They have been put there by God. It's not an accident, and it's not coincidence. God put them there to mold you, to shape you, and to guide you. And to help you become the person that God made you to be. They have been put there to believe in you like no one else ever has. And like no one else ever will. So maybe you should listen to them. As people begin to see Peter as Luke. He begins to see the town in a different light. Peter begins to love a town that loves him. And begins to want to do things for the community of Lawson that has embraced him as this long-lost war hero. Where is he? We have to open. Oh, just give him a second. He's a little nervous. He's nervous. Shh. I think he's coming. Here, you get this one. We'll give it to him. No, 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 no. You come on, come on, come on. Wow. Damn. You think? Fits you like you never took it off. I put on a few pounds since Adele let it out. Well, she did a fine job. Oh. Uh, Emmett? Uh, this is really Luke's doing. It's from all of us. Oh. Oh, my. So you can make sure we always get started on time. This is 
This is very fine. Very fine indeed. Ready to man your post? Majestic was the theater that Luke and his dad had owned. When the war started and Luke disappeared, the theater fell into disrepair because nobody wanted to go to movies anymore. All their sons were dying in the war. So Peter, as he embraces his father, embraces this idea of being Luke, realizes the dream of making the Majestic a magical place again. And setting up to that the scenes beforehand, you just see him really going into the community, working with the community, and all of them together putting this theater back together again. He throws himself into refurbishing the old theater. In the process of refurbishing the theater, a town torn apart by war gets put back together piece by piece. Peter also gets put back together piece by piece. The third thing we learn in discovering our true identities is service. Our true identities are discovered when we step outside of ourselves. And this is something, Lord, that that Doug talks a lot about at New Life, about serving. And the thing you learn, the thing we're going to discuss here in a minute is service becomes about other people. And a lot of times in my life, I have found out more about myself when I've been more concerned about others than concerned about figuring out who I was. So by serving, our true identities begin begin to come into focus. It is hard to be fake when you are thinking of others. It's hard to put on an act when you're concentrating on the needs of other people. By serving those around us, our uniqueness and individualities begin to take root in us. The things that you were made for begin to come out when you're serving other people. When we give our time, our energy, and our love to those around us, the things that are not of us that God didn't put in us begin to fade away. Those things we thought we wanted begin to not matter anymore. Those things we've built up in ourselves begin to not matter anymore. And the only things that remain are the things that are truly us. When we're serving, I do not care about who I think I am anymore. I'm only concerned about the needs of other people. The Bible puts it this way in John chapter 15. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I orchestrated all of this so that you would be sent out and bear great and perpetual fruit. As you do this, anything you ask the Father in my name will be done. And that's John 15, verse 16. For the real fruit of who God made us to be to show itself, we must be sent out to serve. If you stay insulated, your fruit will never bear itself out. Serving is the only way our fruit will be shown. I might think I'm an apple tree and I will strive to be an apple tree and I'll do everything I can to make myself an apple tree, but that does not make me an apple tree. 
My fruit has to bear itself out for my identity to come into focus. After all, this apple tree might actually be a pear tree. And I want you to think about that for a minute. We all do this, right? I think I'm this, I think I'm this, I think I'm this, I think I'm this, but we never actually serve. And when we serve, we discover that I'm actually this. And somebody might tell you, no, I think that you could be a pastor one day. Nope, nope, there's no way, there's no way. I think I'm this, I think I'm this, I think I'm this. And then you actually serve and you realize, wait a minute, they were right. I'm actually this, I'm actually this, I'm actually this. But you have to let your fruit be born out before you can actually determine what you are. Peter eventually regains his memory back. The feds finally catch up with him and they force him to go testify in front of Congress as a sympathizer for the Communist Party. Peter's lawyer tells him that if he will read a prepared statement with a prepared list of names in front of the Congress board, he will get off and his life, as he once knew it, will be given back completely to him. Peter is now at the crossroads of who he thought he was and who he actually is, and he has to make a decision. Here's what happens. It occurs to me that there's a bigger issue here today than whether or not I'm a communist. Bigger issue? Mr. Appleton, there is no bigger issue. Actually, not to be contrary, I think there is. Gosh, I don't quite know what to say here. That is a I've never been a man of great conviction. I never saw the percentage in it. And quite frankly, I suppose I uh, lack the courage. See, I'm not like Luke Trimble. He had the market cornered on those things. I never met the guy, but I feel like I've gotten to know him. The thing is, I can't help wondering what he'd say. If he were standing here right now. You know, I think he'd probably tell you. The America represented in this room is not the America he died defending. I think he'd tell you your America is bitter and cruel and small. I know for a fact his America was big. Bigger than you can imagine. With a wide open heart. Where every person has a voice. You are out of order. Even if you don't like what they have to say. Enough, sir. You are out of order. If he were here, I wonder how you'd respond. If you could explain to him what happened to his America. In this one instant, the true Peter Appleton comes out. Not the Peter Appleton that he thought he was, not the Hollywood Peter Appleton, but the Peter Appleton God made him to be. The scared to death all about my success, Peter, was killed in that car accident. And he was replaced by there is something more important than me, Peter Appleton. The thing we discover is that he was in there all along. As you watch this movie, you realize that Peter had been there the whole time. It just took some coaxing to get him out. I want to say that to all of you sitting in here this morning who are struggling to find themselves, and I believe there's a lot of us in here. 
You have tried your way. You have looked to your friends. You have tried to make your job who you are. You have tried to find yourself in whether through successes at work or through through successes in relationships. We've tried to find ourselves through our children and through our friends. But I want to say quit trying. Forget about that you that you've been chasing. Finally start listening to those who see the real you. Get involved in something that is bigger than yourself, whether here at New Life or or somewhere in the community. Serve those around you. Before you know it, you will discover that God will put you in a situation where the real you can come out. The awesome thing about it is that real you is in there and it's been there all along. It just might take some coaxing to get out. God sees you and sees me completely different than we see ourselves. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. God does not identify you by what you have, what you have not, or what you have done. He doesn't identify you by where you work, where you live, or who you are trying to be. God identifies you as the you he created you to be. That's who God sees when he looks at you. Open up your eyes and look. You just might like the person that you see. People around you already see it, and they're waiting to celebrate with you once you do see it. May I help you, sir? I'd like to send a telegram, please. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Dear Adele, stop. I'm coming back to Lawson to return what I borrowed. Stop. I'd very much like to ask you a question. Stop. If you're not on the platform when I arrive, I will understand. Stop. I will leave your book and Luke's medal with the station master. Get back on the train and just keep going. Stop. Peter Appleton is a hero of Lawson. The Peter Appleton of Hollywood is is not the real Peter Appleton. It's the Peter Appleton of Lawson. The people that he grew close to, the people that he served with, really began to help him understand who he was. And that same challenge is for you guys today. The people that you are around today, the people you're around at work, the people people around you who you serve with, know the real you. And their heart breaks when you try to be somebody other than who you really are. And they tell you that their heart breaks. And you get annoyed that they tell you that your heart breaks. And you wish they would just leave you alone about it all. But they know and they see who you really are. And they want to do everything they can for you to see who you are. 
Because who you are is wonderful. Who you are is powerful. Who you are is beautiful. And who you are is exactly who God wants you to be. So the choice is up to you. Men, are we going to be the real men that God wants us to be? Now, we're very good at chasing work. We're very good at chasing money. We're very good at chasing success and prestige. But God wants us to chase our wives. And he wants us to chase our children. Ladies, it's really hard to be a lady. I mean, you know, not ever having been one, I'm just guessing. <laughs> but I live with a lot of them. <laughs> you are not who the television says you are. And says you should look like. And says you should be like. But if you're married, you are a lady who chases after their husbands. And a mother who chases after their children. And children, the world are going to tell you a lot of things. To be successful, you should do this. And to be successful, chase after this. And God is telling you, to be successful, love me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Father, for this day. Lord God, this is, this is a tough message for all of us, Father. Not, not just for those, Lord, but for me giving it, Father, because we live in a world nowadays who doesn't want us to know who we are. We live in a world that wants to shape and mold our identities and shape and mold our attitudes and shape and mold what we chase after, Father God. And I can't imagine what that does to you as you look from heaven and you see your children pursuing things that they were never meant to pursue and trying to be someone that they were never meant to be. Because before time began, Father, you created all of us for the exact situations we're in right now. And so, God, I, I pray right now for all of us that you give us the boldness to seek out who we really are. And not to seek out what the world says, Father God, but to seek out what you say. Because, Father, when you look at us, you say to the angels in heaven, you say to your son sitting next to you, that is my son and that is my daughter with who I am well pleased. And that is who we truly are, Father. We are sons and daughters of the King. And Father God, I want to make sure that people around me know that. That you've created them for so much more than what they're chasing. And what they're desiring. And the things that you have for them, Father God, the things that you created for, can only be done by them. And so, Father God, I thank you, Father, that you have more confidence in me than I have in myself. 
I thank you, Father, for those people that you've put in my life. You know, between my wife, you know, who, who, <laughs> who speaks all these things, but I never listen. <laughs> and then people like Michael and like Del and like John and like Doug who, who love me too much to not let me stay where I'm at. And each of you guys have those people as well. But ultimately, Father, I thank you for never giving up on me and never giving up on these people here. And there's times we get so close to who we're going to be and we're almost there and then we stumble and we begin to look at the world again. We begin to look at work again and in careers and all those things, Father God. And yet you continually cheer us on and say, you got this son, you got this daughter. And I believe on that day when we truly discover who we are, there will be a party in heaven as you say, they finally got it. Look at what they're going to do now. So we love you, God. We thank you. I lift these people to you, Lord, and just ask that you allow them to see just for a moment what you see in them, Father. And I have to believe that that's going to be enough to motivate us. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.